0: The object was flying at an altitude of approximately 40,000 feet, had unlawfully entered Canadian airspace, and posed a reasonable threat.
1: Now on the news hour, shot down over Canadian airspace, another potential spy balloon spotted and destroyed in a joint effort with the United States. Plus,
2: isn't that unreal? As soon as you make a squat, they fix it.
1: Accessibility restored for residents of a low income building stranded for months by a broken elevator. Why the fix wasn't ultimately all that complex and.
3: One kind gesture can make, you know, a big difference in, in someone's life and it felt really good.
1: A labor of love, the support group stitched together one skirt at a time in honor of missing and murdered Indigenous women.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global NewsHour at 6.
1: Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news on a developing story with international implications tonight that played out in Canadian airspace earlier today. Another suspicious airborne object spotted over North America has been shot down over Yukon in a coordinated effort between Canada and the United States. Our Ottawa bureau chief Mercedes Stevenson first broke this story and joins us now with more details. Mercedes, the minister of national defense addressing the matter this evening, just about an hour ago.
5: Yeah, really emphasizing just how historic this is. So NORAD, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, has been around since the Cold War, and it was actually designed um, to allow Canada and the United States to keep Russian bombers out uh, that could be carrying nuclear weapons. Who would have thought in 2023 we would be dealing with a scenario where they are shooting down potentially, which they may have been, another balloon out of the sky from China, not the original adversary they were looking at. Uh, it's, it's something that's evolved. It evolved in 9-11 as well when there was concerns about civilian airliners being hijacked and now yet another mission but a historic day today uh, that for the first time as far as any of the military sources I've spoken to are aware of and the Minister of National Defence said this as well the first time that NORAD has actually shot an object down uh, in Canadian airspace this was about 160 kilometres from the border with Alaska it had floated across Prime Minister Justin Trudeau gave the authorization for it to be shot down in Canada and of course uh, President Biden approved the that an American jet could do that. There was Canadian and American jet scrambled, and basically the deal was whoever got there first and had the best shot would take it out. That happened to be an American F-22, and now Canada will be deploying a team up there to collect and analyze the evidence and do what they call a sensitive site exploitation, where they figure out What was this object exactly? And we're getting a little bit of detail of what that is. The Canadian government won't say yet whether or not it was another Chinese spy balloon. But listen to the description that Defence Minister Anita Anand gave just a couple of hours ago. From all
0: indications, uh, this object is potentially similar to the one that was shot down off the coast of North Carolina, though smaller in size and cylindrical in nature.
1: Okay, so many questions and speculation still. These incidents are as confounding and fascinating, quite frankly, as they likely are concerning from a security angle. Should we expect to see more of these objects detected, Mercedes? And what's the chatter among government officials on this?
5: So the chatter I'm hearing from my military and security sources is that, yes, we should expect to see more of these uh, if this is, in fact, part of what is, they believe, a vast um, Chinese surveillance program. And these balloons, by the way, have been around for years. They, they were around, including uh, in the United States under the Trump administration. But what's changing now is A, the politics, and B, our ability to detect them. Now they know where to look for them, so they're potentially finding more of them. And as we've seen, there seems to be just one answer, and that is to sh- shoot them down in the three that we've at least been publicly aware of but my sources say that they've been privately aware in in like the secure environments that these were around for quite some time it, are there more or less right now uh, that's unclear but it seems to have been uh, again if this object was a part of that program part of an ongoing program that was pretty widespread and then that leads to the question of Where does this all go for North America-China relations? Obviously, uh, this is a very tense moment, and there's a question about how this all goes forward and what kind of response North America will take.
1: Yeah, a lot more to come, no doubt. Mercedes Stevenson in Ottawa this evening. Mercedes, thank you so much for being with us. Now to the cascading healthcare crisis in this province and one possible answer to alleviate the mounting pressure on the system. Physicians assistants employed in other provinces, they could help ease the burden of doctors. So why aren't they permitted to work in B.C.? Paul Johnson spoke with a pair of physicians assistants who say they'd bring their skills to B.C. in a heartbeat if they could.
6: If I were to encounter you as a patient, we would sit down and, and talk about kind of
4: uh, what was bringing you into the clinic. Halifax Physician's Assistant Gabriel Damone walked us through the role he plays in his day-to-day work with the Canadian Forces. Seeing patients, dealing with common maladies, and freeing up his doctor to work on more complex cases. We're a force multiplier for the for the doctors. Force multiplier. Sounds like the kind of thing many British Columbians would like to see, especially if they've had a disappointing encounter with the healthcare system. But you won't be seeing a physician's assistant anywhere in the province because they're not allowed. To the best of my knowledge, I don't know if there has been a reason uh, that's been given. Well, B.C. doesn't have them, many other provinces and the Canadian military use physician's assistants to complement the work of a doctor. In the recent controversy over a staffing crisis in Port Hardy, one of the doctors there last month called out Victoria for not making them available in B.C.
6: If it's good enough for the Canadian military, why is it not good enough for
4: British Columbians? As our health care system comes under increasing scrutiny, two of B.C.'s opposition party leaders Kevin Falcon of the Liberals and Sonia Firsteno of the Greens have called on the province to move forward with enabling physicians' assistance to work in BC. So far, the Ministry of Health has said it's in the process of gathering facts from other provinces that already use them. Uh, you know,
6: there are PAs that are willing to go and work and you've got
4: uh, doctors that are,
6: are advocating on our behalf and quite a few different uh, entities that are advocating on our behalf but unfortunately we're kind of hitting a
4: a wall when it comes to, to kind of having that all come to fruition. As for Damone he grew up in BC and his first choice would be to come out west when his job with the military ends but as it stands now he'd have to look for a different job. Paul Johnson, Global News. The
1: war of words continues over whether companies tied to a Vancouver Island First Nation can bid over the construction of the new Cowichan District Hospital. The $1.45 billion project is the first major health facility being built under the Community Benefits Agreement. The province says the program prioritizes the hiring of unionized local workers, including Indigenous people, for government projects. But the Cowichan tribe says its companies have been excluded from work on the new hospital, which is being built on. On their traditional territory because employees aren't members of a recognized union. That's one of the requirements of the CBA. Just this past week, Health Minister Adrian Dix announced that talks surrounding the dispute had been resolved in favor of the tribes, but that is news to the owner and operator of a Cowichan tribes contracting company and the tribe itself.
7: It's been settled by doing what we do, which is talk to all the parties and, um, and then uh, what's, what's happening is that the development corporation uh, is going to be allowed to bid on projects without changing their, their composition of employees.
2: Do I have faith in this government
8: and the ground Corporation of what this is? No, I don't. Now I'm
7: saying abolish the CBA. You're disrespecting everybody at the table. There is no reconciliation. All of this has started off back in August of 2021. And here we are, February
8: 2023, can we get any more disrespectful?
1: A partial statement from Cowichan Tribes Chief Lydia Huitzum says, quote, we have not yet received formal notification from any parties involved of any changes. In the meantime, our companies and their workers are sitting on the sidelines watching the clock run out on any meaningful participation, end quote. And Cowichan Development Corporation CEO Jody Dick said in a statement as well, quote, the latest correspondence from Allied Infrastructure and Related Construction Council requires KDC to try to negotiate subcontracts at substandard rates far below our current island rates. Salt Spring RCMP are asking for your help in finding a child pornography suspect wanted in Quebec. 39 year old Jimmy Pishke is the subject of an arrest warrant for several alleged child pornography offenses in that province. RCMP say he pleaded guilty to those charges, but he recently failed to appear in court. He was last seen on Salt Spring Island last night. Pishke is also known to use the aliases James or Jimmy Leduc. If you see him, call police. A crucial lifeline for residents of a supportive housing building in Vancouver is now back in service after months of going without a working elevator. The out-of-service lift forced some tenants with mobility issues to temporarily relocate to other housing. But those who've stuck it out since September are wondering why it took so long to fix. Kristen Robinson with the seemingly simple root of the problem.
2: Don't have to hurt my knees anymore. It was getting pretty bad.
9: Awaiting a knee replacement, Rick Erickson hopes the battle with the stairs is over for the many Portland hotel residents living with mobility
2: issues. Grabbing their walker and chucking it up there and then crawling up and grabbing it and chucking it again. Fix the elevator!
9: The elevator in the social housing building owned by PHS Community Services Society had been broken for almost five months when tenants marched to PHS Monday and demanded a fix. The next day, it happened.
2: Isn't that unreal? As soon as you make a squawk, they fix it. They brought in a a repair crew first thing in the morning, and it just took like maybe 15, 20 minutes of them working on it, and now it's working again. I'm feeling relieved. It should have been
9: done a long time ago. When residents were stuck in their rooms last month, B.C.'s housing minister said the elevator required a major fix.
10: A contractor has been hired to to do that work. Uh, The work is expected to be completed by April.
9: Two weeks later...
10: So two more
8: months to fix an elevator? Well, there was uh, some serious issues in that uh, elevator. We had some parts we were going to uh, try to fix it with, but then the decision was made to actually redo the whole entire shaft, and that's why the parts are delayed slightly longer than we'd like them to.
9: PHS told Global News Friday, as part of the ongoing assessment of the current elevator while we await full modernization... A broken wire function was discovered and on Tuesday and the elevator has been operational since that time. BC assessment records list the City of Vancouver as an additional owner of 20 West Hastings. Operations according to the City are handled by BC Housing. If the elevator at City Hall broke down do you think it would take five months to fix? It <laughs> would
2: be fixed the next day or that day I would imagine. No, it would be fixed like, probably within the same day. How does that make you feel? Uh, about this big. Like like they don't care about us. I mean, at least I still got mobility. All the people in there that are strictly, you know, one-legged people and stuff, they they all went through hell, man. But it's okay now, so I hope it lasts for a while. Kristen
9: Robinson, Global News.
1: Our CMP in the Fraser Valley are asking for your help in finding a missing 12-year-old girl tonight. LaVonna Harris lives in Agassiz, and police believe she may be in the Chilliwack area and associated with a blue Dodge Ram pickup. Harris is 5'2", about 70 pounds, and has shoulder-length black hair. Police and her family are concerned for her well-being. If you know where she is, call police. Nanaimo RCMP are seeking two persons of interest in a commercial break-in last month. Video surveillance from the gold and silver guy on Townsite Road shows two men out front, one pacing back and forth, the other carrying a dark case and an item resembling a portable drill. Police say the business owner found a rear door busted open and drywall knocked out when he arrived on January 21st. The store sells precious commodities and cash, and several expensive items were taken from its safe. More heart-stopping dash cam footage has surfaced, showing a harrowing moment where two semis almost collide. Take a look. The video was posted to the Skilled Truckers Canada Facebook page. The post says it happened at the intersection of Highway 97 and Salmon River Road between Vernon and Falkland. You can see one semi traveling northbound on the highway as another makes a left-hand turn right in front of him. It took some quick maneuvering for the northbound truck to swerve safely out of the way. The post was also captioned, Don't be a highway king. A woman who was injured after a truck hit an overpass last summer says she was infuriated after a similar incident happened yesterday in Richmond. A truck towing a dump trailer traveling south on Knight Street struck the Canby Road overpass Friday morning. Nobody was injured in this case, but that was not the case when a truck hit an overpass in Langley last July. A falling piece of cement struck Jade Dallas right in the face, and she has needed extensive medical treatment ever since. Plenty of similar collisions involved Involving trucks and overpasses in the Lower Mainland have happened in the past year as well.
6: I think the biggest takeaway is just I feel like there needs to be tighter regulations or guidelines, whatever it might be. Like this is unacceptable and truly that accident could have taken my life. And it's wild to me to think that
1: essentially they're risking people's lives for... I don't know. Maybe a quicker route. I just don't understand how that can ever possibly be worth it. Richmond RCMP says the driver of the truck in yesterday's incident is not cooperating with the investigation. It's not clear yet if any fines will be issued in this latest incident. Coming up, an agonizing wait continues for tens of thousands in Turkey and Syria.
11: And she was alive, and uh, we we couldn't we couldn't save her. And she died. But, but we, saw, we saw her.
1: Why help has still not arrived in many regions nearly one week after the most destructive plank in years. Plus.
12: I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my
6: mistakes.
1: A bombshell admission rocks Toronto as the city's mayor resigns amid revelations of a relationship with a former subordinate. That's coming up. 25,000 people are now known to have died in southern Turkey and northern Syria after powerful earthquakes and aftershocks rocked the region this week. Jackson Proskow now from the city of Besni and a warning this report includes some upsetting images.
8: Through their tears, the people of Besni wanted us to hear their stories. We are in a very desperate situation here, this man explained. His sister's family was still under their collapsed apartment building four days after the earthquake, along with dozens and dozens of others. This boy told us he crawled out of the rubble through a small hole. His parents did not survive. Residents showed us bodies still visible in the ruins. They showed us video of a trapped woman crying out for help two days after the earthquake. They couldn't save her.
11: One, one woman uh, cried, and she was alive, and uh, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't save her, and she died.
8: But, but we, saw, we saw her. Mustafa Karaja says he phoned every agency and official begging for help for his neighborhood. You after a Polish team brought sniffer dogs that found people alive under the rubble, no one came. Here lived, here lived almost 200 people and
11: 200 people and uh, tot- totally, totally saved maybe 10, 10 people. And we are calling and uh, going to everywhere, but we couldn't get anything, anything.
8: There's a shortage of the heavy equipment needed to dig into the deepest parts of this crumpled mass. The equipment only arrived on day four. Too late to find anything but death.
11: All of them is, uh, were, were my neighbors.
8: And I, I know them. My sister uh, and her husband, her three kids were living here. Ikut showed us pictures of his young niece and nephews. He showed us where their bodies were. All he wanted was to give them the dignity of a proper burial.
11: <laughs> Four days waiting, but there is still nothing. The bodies can be seen. We can see them but cannot take out.
8: Even with heavy equipment and the arrival of rescue workers, survivors still risk their own lives on the precarious debris. Often digging with their hands out of pure desperation. In Besni, they have waited too long and lost too much. Death haunts the living. So does survival.
11: For four days there, and it's cold, and they're hurting. And
8: we are healthy, but it's very, very hard for us, too. The locals tell us that many people had moved into these newer buildings, thinking that they would actually be safer in the event of an earthquake. In the end, it was the new buildings that crumbled. The old buildings are still standing. Jackson Prosco, Global News, Besne, Turkey.
1: If you want to help, you can donate to the Humanitarian Coalition, which brings together verified organizations. You can visit their website at together.ca or call the number on your screen, one 461 2154 Coming up, an explosive resignation rocks Toronto City Hall.
12: Do you mind if we ask you one question? No, no questions today, sorry. No, no questions.
1: The mayor of the country's largest municipality steps aside amid allegations of a relationship with a staffer. Why John Tory was back at the office today. That's after the break. In the country's largest municipality, Toronto, shock and disbelief lingers today in the wake of Mayor John Tory's sudden resignation last night. Still, as Sean O'Shea reports, the outgoing mayor was back at the office today.
12: Do you mind if we ask you one question? No, no questions today. Sorry, Sean. no, No questions. Toronto Mayor John Tory coming into City Hall on a Saturday after a stunning Friday night revelation. I'm deeply sorry and I apologize unreservedly to the people of Toronto. A bombshell admission about a relationship with a 31-year-old staffer. Permitting this relationship to develop was a serious error in judgment on my part. Tory said his conduct meant he couldn't continue in the job. I've decided that I will step down as mayor so that I can take the time to reflect on my mistakes The story about Tory's affair had been published in the Toronto Star and began with a tip before Christmas and a more credible one a couple of weeks ago. I didn't really believe it.
4: Uh, It just, you know, he's known as
12: no-story John Tory at City Hall for a reason. But after some digging, the tip panned
8: out. He's been a mayor that has had a high moral standard on everything. Whatever your differences with the mayor, he was very well-respected on all sides.
12: Tory had just won his third election victory last October.
8: Uh, to work on behalf of the
12: people Tory came to the job to promising stable leadership. You know, Succeeding I'm former Toronto Mayor I'm Rob Ford, the uh, brother Delta of Ontario's Delta Premier, Premier who had admitted to crack cocaine use. Tory said the relationship with a 31-year-old staff member began during the earlier part of the pandemic and only ended in the last month. She no longer works for the city. I developed a relationship with an employee in my office in a way that did not meet the standards to which I
3: hold myself as mayor and as a family man. No one's expecting that sort of thing to happen, especially if someone who is supposed to have our respect represents the city of Toronto.
0: They're never going to be as clean as we think they are.
12: While he announced plans to leave, Tory is very much still on the job. He promised to help in a transition period. Tory's resignation comes at an especially bad time as the city begins debating its budget, one crafted largely by Tory. Soon, the city will need a new mayor. There'll be a by-election sometime in spring. Sean O'Shea, Global News, Toronto.
1: In health matters, a national campaign is underway to encourage black Canadians to become life-saving stem cell donors. With the current state of donations, black Canadians have only a 15-20% to 20% chance of finding a match for a stem cell transplant. The currently running campaign coinciding with Black History Month is hoping to change that.
9: Patients um, who have um, blood diseases require an allogeneic stem cell transplantation as a curative therapy. Um, so most of these patients do not have um, an eight out of eight or a perfect match um, within their family. So they do require an unrelated donor to you know, sign up and,
1: and donate stem cells for them. Those looking to donate can sign up online at blood.ca to receive a stem cell swap kit. Next
3: on the news hour, a labor of love. The numbers are rising. And I don't like, with the four women that are in the landfill in Ontario right now, why are they not looking for their remains? The meaningful mission led by one
1: woman sewing dozens of special skirts to raise awareness of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. That's after the break. Stay with us.
4: You're watching Global BC.
1: Welcome back on this Saturday evening. Yvonne Schell is here with a look at our full forecast, Yvonne.
0: Thanks so much, Sarah, and good evening, everyone. Uh, a touch cool out there, but we are seeing dry conditions along the south coast, and we're tracking a weather maker that is going to move in, bringing very wet and windy conditions for the latter half of our weekend, and I'll have more coming up in just a moment. And I'll have your highway forecast if you're traveling along the mountain passes. A glance at a few of those numbers. We're currently sitting at 5. Uh, chilly, though, for the central interior at 1. Fort Nelson at minus 3. And good evening, Prince Rupert with the current temperature sitting at 5. Mainly cloudy skies. We can see that on the satellite and radar. Similar right across the island, but we are going to hang on to that cloud cover. A chance of showers is going to roll in overnight, and then the bulk of the moisture, it's all courtesy of this weather maker that's working its way along the north and central coast as it pushes its way towards the south. We will see some wet weather on the way for the day tomorrow, and it is going to be windy for areas that are closer to the water. Now, overnight, it'll be a chance of showers, and then the bulk of the rain starts to pick up through the morning, continuing through the day. Highs will bump up to eight, and as we get in towards tomorrow evening, the winds are going to pick up with gusts of up to 50 kilometers per hour. There's the weather maker that'll take aim for coastal areas. We will continue to track it through the day. Monday, it'll be scattered showers, and then by Tuesday, we've got a nice break in between. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, we've got the snow level anywhere between 1,000 and then rising through the day closer to 1,500 meters, but we are going to be tracking some snowfall. For the sea to sky, though, I wanted to note most of the snowfall will be just north of Brandywine. The Coquihalla will start to see heavier snowfall through the afternoon and evening, and the Kootenai as well as the Rogers Pass has that range between anywhere between 4 and up to 8 centimetres. So you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. Wet and windy along the coast for the northern half of the province. Those winds will pick up gusts closer to 60 kilometres per hour. It's cold enough inland, we can even see that across the central interior with the potential for wet flurries and then changing over to a chance for some showers. Many areas into the southern interior, the southeastern corners, will also see that potential for wet flurries and then changing over to showers. Kelowna will change over to showers as the few breaks in there with temperatures even getting up to 7 and Whistler will be close to and hovering the freezing mark. Across the island, we will see those winds picking up as early as the afternoon and then most areas across the lower mainland. Late day tomorrow, we'll see those winds ramping up, but it is going to be a soggy one for a Sunday. We'll have waves of rain through the day. Highs will be up to 8 degrees. It'll be an unsettled start for back to work and school on Monday. Bright spot Sarah so far looks to be on our Tuesday with that sunshine and highs up to 5. Back to you.
1: Okay, and Valentine's Day on Tuesday. Yeah, well. good a day for the sun to come out. Thanks good timing. so much, We'll see you soon. The past several weekends have been extremely busy for dozens of volunteers working hard to sew dozens of red ribbon skirts ahead of next week's annual Women's Memorial March through Vancouver's downtown Eastside. Julia Foy now on the support network stitched together by strangers, all spearheaded by a local Cree woman.
13: Vancouver mom of six, Misty Small, is working on a red ribbon skirt, which will soon be a gift for someone special.
3: One kind gesture can make you know a big difference in in someone's life, and it felt really good. Okay. Oh, I need a pin. For weeks,
13: several women have gathered at the Strathcona Community Center to cut and sew and stitch together 100 red ribbon skirts.
3: My niece Janelle made me this skirt, Um, it's beautiful, I've never owned a satin skirt. It started with a vision from Jamie
13: Smallboy, a way to ease the pain for relatives of missing and murdered Indigenous
3: women and girls. That are hurting because of what happened to their, their lost loved ones, whether it's their mom, their daughter, their sister, their auntie, their cousin, their friend. On Tuesday,
13: February 14th, hundreds of people are expected to join the Women's Memorial March through the downtown east side. In the crowd, small boy and her team will be handing out the 100 red ribbon skirts.
3: I wanted to create them for the families, was to bring them together, let them know that they're not alone, that there are so many of them out there that are grieving. And, and do the lady.
13: Volunteers were grateful to be part of the project.
3: I've got a skirt I'm, I'm going to do up and I'm going to finish this skirt, so there'll be two
9: skirts. For me, as a white person, um,
5: who has not always been aware of things? It's I think it's really important.
13: Misty attended the march last year and says handing out the skirts was very moving.
3: You felt them, you know, saying thank you, and you could see it in their eyes that you know it, it means a lot. Even though it's just a little skirt, it, it means you know a lot to the to the families.
13: Small boy hopes the bright red skirts will also attract attention from above.
3: The loved ones that haven't made it home yet or that haven't been found, they'll, you know, be attracted to the red skirts as they're marching. And for that for that moment, they could go march with their loved ones.
13: Julia Foy, Global News.
3: What a great
1: idea. Now, that march is also on Tuesdays. We said Valentine's Day with the sunshine. We are just talking about how tomorrow it will be raining, mm-hmm. which is great weather for the Super Bowl.
7: Well, if you're in a party, <laughs>
1: if
7: you can stay out of the rain and watch the Super Bowl at the same time, that's a pretty good deal, too. Uh, Canucks will have the day off like uh, most teams. Everyone kind of stays clear of the Super Bowl. If they play, they play early. The Canucks played early today, maybe a little too early because uh, they were a little sleepy from the start. Lost 5-2 to the Red Wings, so we'll look at that. But I think the most exciting story of the day is in golf couple of the uh, guys, Nick Taylor and Adam Hadwin, right in the mix at that crazy Phoenix Open where they get 200,000 fans a, a day there. And most of them uh, party like it's the Super Bowl. It's okay. it's it's very it's a very unique event where the fans are usually in golf. Everyone's hushed. Not there. It's uh, loud and proud. So our, our guys are doing great. We we'll have lots of highlights from
1: okay, that. Okay, looking forward to that. We'll okay. see you both soon. Thanks so much. Coming up, the electric revolution on the roads and inside the shop. Move over, oily engine checks, the technology changing the way we service vehicles and the jobs it is generating. That's after the break. Stay with us. Call it a revolution or an evolution, electric vehicles are becoming increasingly common these days. And that's charging up another sector of the economy, changing the way service technicians work.
10: Kamyar Razavi explains. So
8: we're doing the first part of our live dead live test?
10: At this EV lab in Burnaby, BC, they're transforming what it means to be an automotive service technician. Move over oil and grease. Enter data, electrons, and above all else, batteries. This is the new EV economy. The various economic development opportunities springing up around the growing number of electric vehicles on the road. In Ontario, 7.2% of all new vehicle registrations was for an EV. In Quebec, it was 12.5%, and in B.C., nearly one out of every five new cars sold is an EV.
1: And so we can learn a lot about absorbent uh, with
9: this kind of instrument. So right
10: one now, of the biggest challenges, how to better dig up the right now, metals and minerals used in batteries.
9: The demand for lithium has skyrocketed.
10: Calgary-based startup Summit Nanotech has come up with a technology to mine lithium out of the ground, using less water and producing less waste. They're using local talent from the oil and gas sector to do the work.
9: It's remarkably similar. Producing lithium and producing oil, it's, it's almost the same. We don't have to look very far because Calgary and Alberta, it's full of resource extraction experts.
10: Your condo building was probably not built with electric vehicles in mind. In 2016, Zach LaFave co-founded a startup to make another major EV challenge feel seamless, charging in condos. When you have 10 or 20 or 30 people starting to drive electric vehicles, there's not enough electricity in
6: the building. We will know where we succeeded when people don't think about us. The
10: actually put false in there. Back at the auto shop, Associate Dean Mubashir Faruqi says servicing vehicles is constantly changing. It's daunting for some, but ultimately just more change the automotive world has long been accustomed to. Kamyar Rezavi, Global News, Burnaby, B.C.
1: Coming up, Barry's back with sports and a look ahead to Super Bowl Sunday Plus.
14: I never thought that being over here doing this thing would be possible for a little that, that little boy that grew up under Res, right?
1: The Cree connection to one of the biggest days in sports, the recognition and the representation. You'll see on stage tomorrow. That's coming up. Stay with us.
8: Head to Tradex and Abbotsford for the Early Bird RV show. Enjoy free how-to seminars with industry experts to lifestyle and travel talks and explore the largest selection of RVs, products, and accessories to kick off your travel adventures. Don't miss Pretty Woman the musical coming to the Queen Elizabeth Theater. Based on the beloved movie, the romantic story is brought to life with a powerhouse creative team. Broadwayacrosscanada.ca for info. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman.
4: Power B.C. is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now
7: at London Drugs.
1: Welcome back. Barry's back with sports. An early start for mm-hmm. the Canucks today. Yes, breakfast mm-hmm. hockey, which yeah, doesn't breakfast. happen. Usually
7: when the games are in <laughs> Europe, sometimes that's an issue, but not...
1: Hockey with your coffee.
7: Yeah, exactly. Or other things. Maybe a little Bailey's. Anyway, that's me. Uh, Thanks, Sarah. Canucks had an early start today in Detroit, noon local time, just 9 a.m. back here in B.C. And the Canucks obviously were still asleep when this one started. They gave up two goals inside the first three minutes and never recovered, falling 5-2 to the Red Wings. So they went 1-2-1 on their four-game road trip. They return home Monday to face these same Red Wings. Had some uh, Canuck fans representing in the Motor City today. Canucks uh, certainly played like it was 9 a.m., did not get the uh, wake-up call call on time because first shot Dylan Larkin it's a goal one nothing Red Wings and then the second shot on goal well two for two another Red Wing goal Jonathan Berggren with the redirect from the sharp angle two nothing Detroit at that point and uh, that's where it stayed thanks to Canuck penalty killing and they killed off three in the first period to keep it two nothing better start to the second and on a Canuck power play J.T. Miller to Anthony Beauvillier. Back-to-back games he scored in a Canuck uniform. Cuts the Detroit lead to 2-1. Canucks had some chances but uh, couldn't tie it. And then Detroit will restore the two-goal lead on the men advantage. Dylan Larkin second of the game, 18th of the year, 3-1 after two. Third period, Ethan Baer out of the penalty box uh, gets sprung here by Nils Oman. Bear on the breakaway, but is chopped down. Goes in hard, hurt his back. Penalty shot called, but Bear was hurt, so he couldn't take it. So someone on the ice can take it. And the best candidate, Quinn Hughes, has never scored in three shootout attempts. How will he do his first penalty shot? He makes a great move, but just lost a handle at the end. Very frustrating for Hughes. He had the goal, but the puck just jumped over his stick. That certainly turned the game because it would have been 3-2 had he scored, but he didn't. And then the Red Wings will put this one away. Philip Haronek all day to pick his spot. Rips it past Martin. Red Wings would add another to go up 5-1. Canucks did get one late thanks to a nice four check by Pedersen and Beauvilliers. Pedersen scoring here on the rebound for his 25th, but that was it. 5-2 the final. Canucks fall in Detroit. One-two-and-one one on the four-game trip where they gave up 19 goals. We just, this team cannot give free goals. It's a there's a history here of giving up a lot of freebie goals, and we're just uh,
0: we have to clean that up. But like I said, uh, and you know, there's a couple other things that we gotta shore up. If you want to play a fast pot style of play, you gotta be in shape. I think this team has another level of fitness. That um, I'm here. To, I'm going to attack that. We have to get a little bit better fitness. But
7: like I said, for the overall, I thought the uh, the uh, trip was a lot of positive things for sure. Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor grew up dreaming of PGA Tour careers when they were just teenagers at Abbotsford's Ledgeview Golf Course and now in their mid-30s, the two have realized that dream for about a decade. This weekend in Phoenix has been extra special with the two Abbotsford boys in contention at one of the most raucous sites in pro golf. Hadwin was tied for the lead after finishing up round two this morning and Taylor wasn't far behind as they began round three. There's Adam on the practice tee looking relaxed, playing with John Rahm and Scott. Scottie Scheffler in the uh, final grouping. A lot of Canadian fans on hand. They watched uh, Nick Taylor playing in the third to last group. Two under, three and needed his putter for a couple of uh, great par saves. First at the sixth, and then at the seventh. This keeps the uh, momentum of the round going. That one had just enough on the final roll. It goes down, so Nick making the turn at nine under. Just three off the lead. Tied for second. Hadwin. Kind of struggled a bit with his ball striking which is usually his strength but he grinded it out thanks to this par save at the eighth staying in touch with the leaders and then at 11 adam finally hits a great iron shot off the fairway known for hitting it flush and he gets this one to within six feet on one of the toughest holes on the golf course and the most important thing is he would step up and convert that with this short birdie putt gets him to 10 under par hadwin bogeyed the 12th but got it right back at 13 check out this little uh, belly wedge kind of using it like a putter that's how fast that is it looked like it'd be 10 feet short but it almost went in for uh, a birdie for an eagle actually that was a tap in birdie. So now he's just one shot off the lead Scotty Scheffler showing his class out of the rough here at 14. Beautiful shot to within a few feet. He would make birdie and Scheffler was back on top at 12 under par. Now we go to the 17th, Nick Taylor. And uh, check out this touch. You have to have a good short game to play against the best players in the world. And Taylor has that. Hits this one to just a few feet. Made another birdie. And he's at 10 under par right in the thick of things exciting to watch now hadwin at 16 this is the final tee shot at that raucous stadium hole Twenty thousand fans in the stadium atmosphere and talk about saving the best for last last year they had a hole in one this year can adam hadwin give them the ace well that close to within a foot and a half the crowd went wild anyway a tap-in birdie for Adam got to 10 under. What a moment for Hadwin at golf's craziest party atmosphere as they throw the bottles. But the fun at 16, not done yet. Arizona State alum John Rom from 40 feet. And would you believe that drops for a birdie in the rather loaded crowd? Goes wild again. Rom to 11 under, one off the lead. Nick Taylor then after a great approach. At the 18th, another birdie. He's at 11-under, two off the lead, shot a 4-under, 67. He'll play in the final group tomorrow with Scheffler, who leads at 13-under, and John Rahm, tied with Taylor at minus 11. Hadwin is at 10-under, tied for fourth. He'll play with Jordan Spieth and Terrell Hatton in the second-to-last group. So what a day for the Abbotsford boys in Phoenix. Back to the NHL, Oilers and Senators from Ottawa. First period, Connor McDavid good pool player little bank shot there off Anton Forsberg his league leading 42nd goal second period Zach Hyman in alone on a breakaway he is hooked so a penalty shot awarded so Hyman one-on-one on on Forsberg nice little backhand deke and it's 2-1 Edmonton and then we've seen Connor McDavid score, score brilliant goals this might be his best ever assist Gets the puck off Thomas Chabot. Spinarama. Then the backhand. No look pass to Ryan McLeod. What a play by McDavid for the short-handed goal. He had a three-point game. Oilers now 9-0-2 in their last 11. Just to point out a first in the Pacific Division after the 6-3 win. Also, Flames and Sabres. Jacob Markstrom gave up two goals on the first three shots of the game. But that was it. It was all Flames after that. They catch fire in the second. Jacob Palkier, the rookie, scores his first NHL goal. Great finish by the Flames first rounder from 2019. Flames got four goals in five minutes to blow this one open. The fourth by Nazem Kadri on the deflection as the Flames pummeled the Buffalo Sabres seven to two. And Bo Horvat and the Islanders at Montreal late second on the power play. Horvat will get his second as an Islander, his 34th of the year from the sharp angle squeezes it through somehow not his prettiest goal but he will take it two on Islanders but the Habs tied it and then in overtime just as the Canadians got out of the penalty box it's Mike Hoffman in alone stopped but Mike Matheson cashes the rebound costly loss for the Islanders trying to chase a playoff spot 4-3 Habs win and Matt okay. is it for sports. Super Bowl tomorrow, about a 3.30 mm. kickoff. And apparently Rihanna is playing halftime, according to Yvonne.
1: Sounds good. She just <laughs> filmed <us> a. <laughs> That's all she wants that, to watch. She does not care about <laughs> the game.
7: She wants to watch Rihanna. Tomorrow
1: will be a big day, for sure.
7: Uh, yes, mm-hmm. well, literally, literally uh, billions of people watching the game.
1: No kidding. And coming up, a Canadian Cree connection to tomorrow's Super Bowl festivities. Stay with us.
4: I see you're doing a- From the stories that touch us all to the events happening all around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News, connect.
1: Welcome back. Okay, tomorrow, of course, we'll mark the 57th Super Bowl and the first year of some long overdue recognition. With hundreds of millions of people tuning in, all eyes will also be on a Cree dancer from Canada for an historic first. Nathaniel Dove reports.
6: Put simply, it's one of the biggest shows on earth.
11: This is the, the game of our games. It Kim, it's game well.
6: The Super Bowl isn't just football. It's a concert from one of the world's biggest stars, millions of dollars in commercials.
2: Hey, I'm watching you like a hawk. Tony Hawk?
6: And now, for the first time, an acknowledgement of the people who lived on the land first.
14: I come from a real tiny, small reserve in northern Saskatchewan, and... I never thought that being over here doing this thing would be possible for a little that, that little boy that grew up on the rez, right?
6: Patrick Mitswing from Makwa Segegan First Nation is a world champion dancer and is performing at the Super Bowl's opening festival. He calls it a huge opportunity for him and hopefully for everyone watching. Mitzwing says he, like so many others, suffered from intergenerational trauma. He hopes the celebration of his culture at such a high-profile event sparks understanding.
14: It was so hard growing up not knowing the truth of why, you know, why... Why are these problems here and why do they exist? And, and for us, when we, we heard about Truth and Reconciliation, it, it helped us start our, our healing
6: process. A process with obvious challenges in professional sports. One of the teams playing Sunday is the Kansas City Chiefs, the fans of which used to dress like First Nations people. Several other professional sports teams are named after First Nations. Midswing says the huge step of acknowledging history is also just the start.
14: That's just going to trickle into their organization of having those conversations and stories and realizing, you know, that maybe these these logos need to be changed and and different representation needs to happen.
6: Nathaniel Dove, Global News.
1: Okay, looking forward to seeing him and all the performers Mm -hmm. and athletes tomorrow. I did say
7: billions, which might have been a slight exaggeration. Billions, Barry said. We'll be watching. A lot of people, it's hard to tell because when there's 200 people at your house Mm. party although that's a big house how do you know i think only two people are watching so you have to estimate which is difficult good
1: point okay Okay, quick look
7: at weather before we
1: go Uh, a
0: soggy one for a super bowl so good excuse to stay indoors but we are going to be tracking (laughs) rain uh windy especially as we get in towards the evening hour showers on monday and valentine's day it'll brighten up it looks like a bright spot so far with some sunshine a bit cooler for overnight lows into next week
1: Okay, sounds good. That's all for us this evening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock. See you then.